You are listening to Create an Unstoppable Life, episode number 83, Negotiations with Dr. Linda Street. Create an Unstoppable Life is for people who want to get out of their own way and build a life of personal and professional fulfillment and freedom. I'm your host, Dina George, MD, a lover of learning, a life and mindset coach, and a family medicine doctor. And I am so glad you're here. So today's the best day ever because Dr. Linda Street is joining us. She is a negotiation coach, overall badass, maternal fetal medicine physician, and likely a ton of other titles. The focus today is how to kick ass in your negotiation, something that I think we could all use. What else would you like to add just from the beginning, Linda? Yeah. So first off, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here this morning. And yes, negotiation, I feel like is like a four letter word. Obviously, it's not actually a four letter word, but in our head, it gets associated with a lot of them. When women hear the word negotiation, all sorts of thoughts come up and they're very rarely positive. I actually ask my clients this when we're starting to work together. Just a very simple, when you hear negotiation, what do you think? And typically the feelings come up that are anxiety, fear, um, failure, all sorts of emotions that certainly don't make you want to go on that journey. (laughs) And it's interesting because I always like to point out that the definition of negotiation is simply a discussion with the goal of making an agreement. And just defining it takes away some of that power. It's like you can see them bring a little (laughs) because we have discussions all the time. We have conversations all the time. And the thought of having a conversation certainly doesn't derail us and devolve us into somebody who's terrified to embark on that journey. But negotiation seems to do that. So I think something right off the bat is just to take the power out of the word. It's simply a discussion. It's simply with the aim of making an agreement. Some of them fail which means you don't make an agreement. Some of them succeed and you have an agreement. And all of that's okay. It's just a discussion. What's the why behind this? Why do this work? Why serve the people that you do? Most of the women that I talk to that when I mention negotiation go into that place of anxiety and fear are otherwise successful women. These are people who have it together. They're fantastic at what they do. They're leading their fields. They're making breakthroughs. They're taking great care of patients in the country. And this one simple thing just seems to be such a large hurdle for them, despite the fact that they've overcome so many other things in their lives and do so many fantastic things on on a daily basis. And so to be able to help them see that they can overcome this hurdle, for one, and secondly, that the hurdle isn't really that large, they just have to look at it a little differently, Mm. so empowering. Because I always look at negotiations as you're going to either feel uncomfortable approaching the negotiation or you're going to feel uncomfortable with the results you get if you didn't. And a lot of the women I'm talking to are in that place where they're uncomfortable in their job because they feel undervalued. They feel disincentivized to show up in the way they want to show up because they feel taken advantage of. So there are all these kind of consequences of having not negotiated that are in their everyday life with their job. And they don't realize that that discomfort is from not negotiating. And it tends to be a much more heavy discomfort than actual 
negotiation process itself. So that seems like real failure, real failure, right. being dissatisfied from a contract or from an agreement from the beginning, like going, entering something that you don't feel heard, you don't feel valued, you don't feel respected for the work you do maybe, or compensated fairly. Right. And then it ends up showing up as a barrier all along the way in various ways. And I think the secondary effects of that is later negotiations seem more difficult because the, the stage has not been set in a way that that's something you feel like you can do. And so it just kind of chronically builds. So you mentioned taking the power out of the word negotiation, at least to start from feeling powerless. I imagine that's what happens when somebody thinks about entering into or, or wanting to ask for more and feeling powerless or feeling like they don't have the right to maybe. Right. And especially with the corporatization of medicine, I'm not sure if corporatization is a word, we're going to roll with it. Um, with corporate takeover of medicine, it seems like the other side of the contract is so big. They have so much power, but at the end of the day, you're the person with the skill set they desire you're the person who has all the value to offer. They can't take care of those patients without you. And I think really honing in on the value you're bringing kind of takes away that daunting, um, overwhelming entity of the corporate other that you're negotiating with. And if you enter that as in a David and Goliath kind of thing where you're this little person and they're the big person, it's really difficult to overcome that. If you enter from the true David and Goliath, like, you know what, I'm small, I'm here, I'm mighty, then you really can accomplish so much. I just want to start to, to make that shift. I mean, this is what we're talking about is a paradigm shift into believing that either this is something that we can be good at, or this is something that we need to be uncomfortable with and do anyways. How do you, how do you break past that? Right. The beauty of that and the con of that both are that it's all internal. So this is not work that you're going to go and buy a tool to help you with. This is something that's really deep reflection. And certainly having a coach or a guide can be useful in this. But really, it's something you can do yourself as well. It's just really sitting down, taking careful examination of what are my beliefs around a negotiation? What are all the things that come up with for me when I think about a negotiation and just getting it all out and then really looking at those things to see, are these true, right? Like our brain goes into this fight or flight protection mode when we think about a, a negotiation and then we go down all these neuroendocrine pathways that secrete all these protective hormones. And from that place, it's really difficult to come up with creative solutions, ways to bridge gaps so that you can actually make the agreement happen versus if you can do the work on the front end to really look at it for what it is. It's just a discussion. You're looking to make an agreement. Part of that whole process is that they want to make an agreement with you too. They're also a participant in the discussion, they being whoever's hiring you. They also want to make an agreement or they wouldn't be engaging in the process. So shifting from them versus me to us together I think is a big piece of that initial kind of paradigm shift. Like it's not like the corporate medicine is out to get you. 
at the end of the day, they're a business, so they want to give you the least amount they can to get the most value from you. But they need you to accomplish their mission or they wouldn't be engaging at all. And I think that's the piece that a lot of female physicians really struggle to believe. There's this feeling that if I want a job, if I want to feed my family, if I want to take care of patients, I have to accept this contract as is, Mm. which is completely untrue. And I imagine that one of the easy things that we fall into is believing that it's scarce. This position is scarce, whether it's medicine or working as a doc or it's any field. There's only one position and maybe they're not going to give it to me if I start to ask for more. Kind of brings up that fear too. Right, right. Especially I think now with current events, there's this overwhelming scarcity going on um, regarding physician positions. When in reality, I've helped several clients work through amazing contracts. Um, There are people who have multiple offers. There are jobs out there and available. You just have to be willing to look at them. And certainly some people have geographic restrictions or other things that may make one or two jobs more attractive than others. But there are always alternatives. And that's such a key is having that, um, in negotiation, we call it a BATNA. So that best alternative to a negotiated agreement. If we can't make this work in a way that feels good to me, what would be my next choice? And by having that identified ahead of time, it really frees you to ask for what you need, to ask for what you want, because there's less of that scarcity fear. It's kind of a concrete way to address that scarcity. Can walking away be termed or labeled in our minds as success? Yes, I think so. Because if you enter into an agreement you're not comfortable with, like we started the conversation at, there are side effects to that. There are consequences to that that will kind of ripple in as you embark on that career. And they're going to pop up every time something doesn't go quite correctly. It's going to be like, well, if I was paid more, I would like that. That was my problem in my first job. I felt like oh, if I made more money, this job wouldn't be so bad. I got a really great rate. It didn't make the job better. It just made my bank a little happier. But at the end of the day, if that agreement from the start isn't favorable to you and you have regrets about it, that pops up. It keeps coming up. And so it doesn't serve you long-term to accept a position in that circumstance. Hmm. And just thinking about the mindset of going into an agreement Thinking about that it can be a collaborative process might be helpful just so that we can create wins together. We can identify strengths together. We can identify goals together. Is that what you're seeing in the folks you work with? Yes, because really you're partnered. You are partnering with this entity or practice or group that can provide you some of the business acumen and some of the kind of initial setup so that you can do what you do best. They need you because they can provide the business setup. They have the agreements to get cheaper supplies. They have the physical infrastructure, but they don't have you. They need someone who's a skilled and caring provider to take care of those patients. And if they don't have that physician, then they're not able to fill that need that they have within their organization. So it's very symbiotic. You need each other. Hmm. So one of the things that high achievers are really good at is not knowing their, their own value. 
Yes. <laughs> Interesting, isn't it? These people who are fabulous and successful struggle to see how fabulous and successful they are. <laughs> what are you seeing in your clients that like they really had no idea? And you can say, don't you have any idea that your worth is this, 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 and this? I think the one thing that kind of comes up across the board, certainly there are some people who have no idea what the market base is for their position. And there are others that just have a lot of struggles seeing the value they're bringing. I think across the board, people tend to be focused on, I have this to offer and insert here, whatever subspecialty skill set you have. And they fail to recognize that you bring so much more to your role as a physician then I did a residency in X field. And so I think failing to see that you're more than a clinical acumen. You may bring leadership experience. You may bring interesting life um, experiences. You may have done global medicine. You may have different perspectives. You may be a master at really reaching patients. You may be a master at efficient care. You may be the quality gal, like you may have done all these projects to make things better for patients. Women have so many skill sets beyond just, I can perform X task, X being whatever type of physician you are. Especially in female physicians, I feel like they discount that. They're like, oh, well, but that's just part of my job. But mm. at the end of the day, it, those are the things that are hardest to teach. It's so much more difficult to teach compassion, to teach that ability to listen and really hear, to teach those things than it is to teach a skill set, an algorithm, a process. I see so many people who don't value those extra offerings and they don't bring it up in the negotiation. Whereas it may be in direct alignment with the mission of the system or group you're joining that you possess those skills. Right? Like, why do you fit their culture? So I'd love to believe that there's like a light switch that we just turn on and now I can own my value and see my value. But I'm guessing that's probably not true. No. Is there, is there a way to shift into that? I think long term, certainly, there's a lot of picking apart of beliefs and seeing if they really serve you or not. Like, what do I think about myself? Does that serve me? Is that true? Um, so really picking things apart to be like, is this actually a fact about myself or is this something I've been telling myself just because I've always told myself that? Um, that's more of a long-term goal, short-term for a contract negotiation because oftentimes I have a couple weeks or a month to engage with somebody and these long-standing beliefs about ourselves can take longer to really dive into. Short-term, I usually have people just actually draw a Venn diagram. What are the things I bring to the table and what are the things I need? What are the things they bring to the table and what are the things they need and where do they intersect, right? So where are my strengths that also fill the needs of the position I'm trying to um, make a contract for? Mm -hmm. And that intersection zone is a really powerful place to begin because it's very comfortable to talk about win-wins. It's very comfortable to say, hey, this is what you're looking for. This is what I can bring. And I feel like it takes some of that me versus them out of the equation when you can really see concrete reasons why what you bring intersects with what they're looking for. And to create that one really made me to rely on a best friend, a spouse, 
who says, these are what your strengths are and listen. <laughs> right, right. Our friends and family are such great allies because they can see the things that we have blinders for. Like sometimes we put on these really great blinders that help prevent us from seeing all the things we can offer besides XYZ skill set. Gauging people who know how you work. Talking to other coworkers if this isn't your first job or even if you're a resident, your classmates. What are the things I'm really good at? Which that right there sometimes takes a little discomfort to hurdle over. Like, oh my God, I'm going to ask people what I'm good at. <laughs> right? We have such a hard time hearing compliments about ourselves. That's the discomfort for growth and that's the discomfort for having a more successful or at least a more collaborative negotiation, I would guess. Yes, which is so much more, so much more productive than the discomfort of regret and the discomfort of wish I would have, should have, all those things. Yeah. And I could see how it, it leads to burnout. If you're not feeling valued, if you're not feeling heard, if you're accepting something because you've convinced yourself it it seems like it's good enough, boy, your career, whatever field you're in, is probably going to be pretty limited. Right. Versus owning it, I can help protect myself against this. I can really believe in the value I'm providing, and I can negotiate based on that. Yeah. And some employers won't budge a whole lot. So certainly... I would love to say every client who really goes through this process gets another 50000 a year. But there are some cases where there's very little wiggle room and things don't end up how you would have preferred the package to look. But even in those circumstances, which are certainly not the majority, but happen, the fact that you showed up for yourself has value intrinsically. Like if you still decide that, you know what, even with these concessions, this job is worth it to me the value this opportunity provides is worth me um, compromising on X, Y, Z, whether it be salary, vacation time, whatever. Mm -hmm. But you walk into it knowing you advocated for yourself. You went to bat. You made the value you bring clear. And they're going to remember that. So the negotiation is still part of the interview process, really and truly, because you haven't started yet. And how you show up then can give them a lot of a preview of what kind of leader are you going to be? How do you navigate difficult conversations? I don't know a single physician who doesn't have difficult conversations, whether it be with patients or whether it be with administration. That's part of what you do. And if you can show that you can advocate for yourself, that you can eloquently point out the things that you offer, you've really displayed a skill set to whoever is hiring you and on the other side of that agreement as well. Yeah, and, and what that brings up for me is that you really step into the belief, the belief that you've made the right decision, the belief in the organization you're joining, the belief that everything, how it's working out is how it should, and you're moving forward. Right. And starting from that foot and that pathway is so much different than maybe I should have asked for this. Maybe I should have approached this this way. All the should-haves. Starting with a whole wagon load of should-haves is a terrible way to start a new job because the should-haves don't push you forward. They pull you back. Yeah, it's like hitting your head with a cast iron pan. <laughs> right, right. Every should is like, bang. <laughs> I know, which is not on my to-do list today. I really would like not to get a confession. 
It also, the other thing in hearing what you're saying is that if you walk away and say, this isn't going to work, that you can do it with the belief that there is something else. There is somewhere else. There, there is a position um, that you can move to because of, of really understanding what you're bringing. Right. And you may save yourself from a job that would have never been a good fit, right? Like if the agreement can't be made, maybe there's a good reason for that. Maybe that's not where you grow. Maybe there's something just around the corner that if you're open to it will be fabulous and perfect and just the right fit. You don't ever have the opportunity to explore that if you're willing to accept something that doesn't serve you. And certainly, I'm a realist. I understand people have bills to pay, families to feed, things to do. And sometimes you have to accept a job, or you choose, pardon me, have to is a bad choice of words. Sometimes you choose to accept a job that isn't the perfect combination of what you would like. But knowing that it's a stepping stone and doesn't have to be a permanent commitment is also helpful. I think looking for how can this job help me grow? How can this serve me while I'm waiting for something else mm-hmm. is also a very reasonable pathway to engage on. I've been doing locums for the last year. That's not my end game, but it was a perfect way to explore different ways that people were in their office, different approaches to the same exact problem. And I gained such insight from that time frame that when I get to my forever job opportunity, I have all that extra offering to give. And so it's pushing me forward. Can you give a range of successes in women that you work with? And you exclusively work with physicians, correct? Yes. So I exclusively work with physicians. Um, All my clients today have been female because they're my people. And It's ranged from just that, you know what, I stood up for myself and I asked for things and I would have never done that before, even if the contract didn't change dramatically. Just that that knowledge that I can ask for things, I can be uncomfortable in order to advocate for myself. That right there is such a huge win to our ability to advocate for ourselves in the future, to our growth as a human being. So things have ranged from that kind of self-growth to I think the highest somebody was able to negotiate extra ended up being 50000 up front and then also the ability to be on a production if it served them at a sooner time. So who knows how much more they'll make because of that. Because if they exceed their guarantee, that's limitless potential of extra income they could earn because they were able to have that more lucrative model sooner. And what, where does it spill over? So it, it isn't one person becomes stronger in negotiating an employment contract. It extends to, to other areas of life. What have you seen? What have you heard? So I think the beauty of it is it's a skill set. You're really learning the skill set of advocating for, for yourself, of really looking objectively at a conversation and finding a way that it can serve you without having to rob from someone else. It's not an either or. I think value is a limitless possibility. There's not a scarcity of it. There's an abundance of value. And it's that perspective shift of there can be mutual benefit. There can be mutual value. There's not me versus them can go on into many other areas of your life. 
when you're in your family and you're talking to your spouse and it's a chore thing, you can navigate that with some negotiation techniques. Like, look, it would really help me out if you could help with this or whichever. You're making a request and standing up for yourself in that relationship. It can spill over into simple mundane everyday things. Like, should I honor the to-do list I made for myself, the calendar I made for myself, or should I choose to binge watch Netflix? Like that knowledge that you can advocate for what serves you and that even if it's a little more uncomfortable now, there's a benefit later can spill over anywhere you want it to. Within the group that you run, I remember there was a challenge on, it was a so many day challenge on what can you negotiate in your, do you know what I'm referring to? And can you explain it? (laughs) Yes. Um, So when, when I was first starting out the group, I feel like sometimes low stakes is a really comfortable way to get our feet wet. Like you typically wouldn't start learning how to swim by plopping somebody in the middle of the ocean. You're going to start in the shallow end of a swimming pool in a very controlled environment, right? And so for people who are really just, it feels daunting to think about negotiating your career contract, you can start in little ways and have little wins that really just build up that muscle and that build up that confidence. Um, And so I challenged people to see how much can you negotiate your cable bill or your um, electric company, or your phone bill. Um, A lot of these different companies are more than willing to work with you if you threaten to leave their service or shift to another person. And it's a fairly low risk stakes, because at the end of the day, if you start negotiating with, say, T-Mobile, and you don't come to an agreement you like, they're not going to cut you off as a client. At the end of the day, they want your money. (laughs) They're not going to say, I'm sorry, you are fired. You can no longer have our cell phone service. (laughs) And so there's absolutely zero risk. And there's all that potential for reward. How amazing if you can cut your bill down $20 a month. Um, Cable companies are great for this because you have so much leverage right now because there are so many different um, options. There are so many cut the cord options available to you. So cable companies are really willing to work. So you can call them up and say, look, my bill's $90 a month. That's really above the budget I've set for this. What can you do for me for 70? I really like all the services I have, right? And sometimes you can get them just to come down to $70. They'll be like, you know what? We have this promotion. We'll plug you right in. Um, Sometimes you can find ways to tweak services you don't need in order to make your bill cheaper. That was what I ultimately did with my internet is they were like, well, we can shoot it down to this just based on what you have. Or we have this other thing on promotion right now that is a little bit less bandwidth, which I didn't really need, and it's like $40 cheaper a month. So these are just such low stakes conversations because at the end of the day, you know that the cable company is not going to cut off your service because they don't like how you negotiated. And there's the possibility for a win. So it's a great way to really kind of get your feet wet And it's super fun to save money in places that you're getting just as much value back for less cost. And so there's a dopamine hit from that that helps shift your thoughts about negotiation on a deeper level. So you get that little hit that, oh my gosh, that was so much fun. And then maybe when you approach your contract negotiation or something with more weight on it because of how you've assigned it and the value that it provides you, you have that remembrance of, hmm, it was kind of fun that one time when I did that. 
I think I can try to do that here. Mm. And then the reward is bigger. Which is being uncomfortable with asking. Yes. Yes. Be being uncomfortable with not controlling what the response is going to be. Right. Because I can't control what the people my clients are negotiating with are going to respond with. I have zero control over their end of the conversation, but I have full control over my end. My clients have full control over their end. And that's the beauty. And it's interesting is we started the conversation or we came up earlier on what are some of the wins people have achieved. The person who signed the contract as is and had the win of being able to self-advocate won just as much as the person who got a $50,000 increase. The only difference was, is the other party involved? Like they, they brought similar value to the table. They brought similar skill sets to the table, similar beliefs. It's that X factor of what the other party is going to offer and where they're willing to move that determines the result. But you never get to experience the opportunity to have any of those wins if you don't ask. Mm. And you know, it, in just thinking about it is the other piece I imagine that's important is to not label myself based on what the other party responds with. I'm not right. better or worse by their response. I'm the same person. I just have more confidence. I have more skill in navigating the ask. Yes, 100%. You control how you show up. You control how you navigate, how you approach the conversation. I really don't love hardball negotiations for physician contracts because oftentimes it doesn't reflect the value you bring. It starts um, being kind of bumping heads to see how much you can grind out of a stone versus by being graceful and really pointing out all the different things you can offer you're making them want to pay you more, right? Like you're, you're giving them reasons why you're going to excel in this position. So of course they should pay you more. You're making it a no-brainer decision for them to give you more because you can bring so much to the table. And that's so much more of a positive interaction, even if the end result is exactly the same, because it's a completely different journey than really saying, I'm not working if you don't give me this which can be totally the message you're conveying. But by going about it in, this is what I can offer. This is what I bring. This is what it's worth. That feels so much different than I ain't working unless you give me this. Right? Like, you're saying the same thing. But they feel so different. What advice would you give to everyone listening? <laughs> yes. I mean, I think as you've honed in on, the first step is be willing to ask. You, you are going to be uncomfortable. Just accept that. It's a fact. You can be uncomfortable now because you're going to advocate for yourself and you're going to grow as a human being and as a doctor. Or you can be uncomfortable later because you didn't do that. Mm -hmm. But you're going to be uncomfortable. So choose discomfort for growth, as you've pointed out. Choose to ask to advocate for yourself. The worst case scenario is you're exactly where you are now, but you have that intrinsic gain that self-worth gain because you've told yourself I'm worth advocating for. Yeah. And if you never ask, then you always have that question in your mind that you can never answer. 
Right. Why didn't I ask? What would they have said? I mean, that just goes around and around and we can really beat ourselves up with it. Right. And that's not, that's not a thought that serves you. That's not a thought process that moves you forward. It's a pro- process that pulls you back. And we always want to be moving towards growth, moving forward, learning from things that we attribute as mistakes, pushing ourselves to experience growth discomfort instead of regret discomfort. The first step to that is asking. Wow, that's an awesome way to to really simplify it. Growth discomfort versus regret discomfort. Right. You're going to have one or the other. Anything else? Anything else you want to share? No, I think really it's just getting out there, acknowledging you are worth it. You're more than just your clinical acumen. And I say just like it's not a big thing. Of course, it's a huge thing. You've trained for very long periods of time to get it. But they're not hiring a MFM in my situation. They're hiring me and the skills that I can bring. They're not looking to hire whatever specialty you are. They're looking to hire you because you bring something to the table that's more than just your clinical acumen. And so don't forget that. You are a whole package. You offer so much more than just a skill set. And where can people find you? Yes. So on Facebook, I have a Facebook group that you alluded to. It's Negotiate Her. Um, So instead of negotiator at the end, it says H-E-R for her. Um, The other place is my website at www.simplystreetmd.com. So wonderful to talk with you. Thank you for sharing what you clearly think about and articulate incredibly well. Thank you so much for having me. It is truly just delightful to watch people really turn the lights on, to watch people's eyes open to the fact that I can do this. And to watch the results of embarking on that journey is just really a privilege and so enjoyable.